Hello, and welcome to Not If I Reboot You First, a podcast where we take our favorite properties and reboot them before Hollywood has the chance to. It's a little bit like brainstorming fanfiction. I'm Lindsay, and I use she, her pronouns. I'm Tanner, they, them, and we once again return to the people's choice, and Lindsay, it is your go again. What have the people given you this week? This week, the people want Mona the Vampire! Yay! Yay! Our childhoods! Yeah, so uh, we did ask some American friends, and they have vague memories of Mona the Vampire. Yeah. Some of them. Oh, I think that the the best was, that sounds like a show that existed that I know the name of. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Whereas, for our age group, it was kind of, well, maybe not a big thing, but it was a thing. It was a known thing. Yes. Like, listen, I don't know if the Mode of the Vampire... <laughs> the the Mode of the Vampire fandom is dying. <laughs> Reblog if you're still a Mode of the Vampire stan. <laughs> but basically, Mode of the Vampire is a Canadian animated series adapted from a series of British children's books running from 1999 to 2003. So, if you have very vague memories of this thing, we don't blame you. Do you remember the cartoon girl who ran around dressed as a vampire and she dressed her cat as a vampire too? But also her friends were an alien and a princess? <laughs> a giant princess. Oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah, that's Mona the Vampire. So, yeah, the basic premise is Mona Parker is your average girl living in an average small town. Uh, not that she's content with it. She assumes the identity of Mona the Vampire, complete with a wig fangs, and cape that could give Dracula a friend for his money. (laughs) She fights the supernatural creeps and baddies that are drawn to her town, or that she believes are drawn to her town in any case. Assisting her are her faithful cat, Fang, along with her two pets friends, Charlie, aka Zatman, and Lily, aka Princess Giant. So, basically what I want to do with Mona the Vampire is... Do a bit of a, not just an update, but like an upgrade in the uh, target demographic. Go from about the 6 to 10 crowd to probably the 12 to 14. Yeah. Basically, now remember, this isn't edgy. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm talking more like somewhere between like a Kim Possible and in terms of episodicness and Avatar The Last Bender in terms of what we're willing to do. Okay, yeah. Yeah. That, so something that it, it's targeted towards a younger audience, but it's well-written enough that it can be appreciated by grown-ups. Yes. Because, yeah, this... Listen, it was a fun show. I liked the show. But yeah. I feel like I would be bored out of my mind if I had to watch it again today, because it, it really is... It's a children's show. Yeah. <laughs> Which is... That's not... That is a weird criticism. Because children's shows are made for children. But I guess just because of the way that society developed, creators had to start making sure that their, that their children's shows could also be enjoyed by grown-ups. Because grown-ups were more likely to put money into the show so that they could keep making the show. Also, we have better access to the old episodes than we did back in the past. That's true. If you, <laughs> I'm going to watch more of The Vampire. I hope it's actually airing today. <laughs> <laughs> and nowadays there's like maybe a couple places on YouTube that have it. Yeah, it's I mean old shows like this it's either every single episode is on YouTube or YouTube has never even heard of it. 
Yeah. And I re- and hey, that that changes at the top of a hat because I remember way back when we were doing Zix, like when I found it on YouTube, that was the first time I had found it on YouTube. All yeah. throughout like the like the mid 2010s, I would check YouTube for it, and it's like we we've never heard of Zix before. Do, do you mean this one episode of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Fast forward. <laughs> Yeah, so that does mean that the tapes are out there somewhere. (laughs) The tapes are out there, Scully. (laughs) I mean, that's the big issue that a lot of Canadian animated TV has had. And, like, just Canadian kids TV in general. Like, you better hope somebody recorded this. Yeah, oh my god. Or that the creators were able to hold on to, like, their own master copies or something. Yeah. Because... Otherwise, you're sitting here like, hey, was this a real cartoon, or is it just a product of the collective imagination of Canadian children? <laughs> yeah. There was a case of mass hysteria, and the entire country just invented Yvonne of the Yukon. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> that thing really should not exist. <laughs> uh, anyways, more of the vampire. Anyway, so yeah, the premise is actually fairly simple of I'm just kind of, like, aging up the characters. So, they're, say, high school freshmen. I feel like that's almost too old. Like, that's, because they were pretty solidly grade school in the original. I would say middle school. Mm, Okay. I'm just, I was just thinking, like, uh, freshmen because, like, Kim Possible was also in Nebula's high school age, but, like... No, Kim Possible was actually in middle school for most of her show, too. Okay. I'm pretty sure. Like, if you think a lot of the those Disney shows, like Kim Possible and Weekenders, they took place in middle school because okay. it was like on the cusp. Yeah, you have some freedom, but not a lot of freedom. You can be in places, but you know, it was your world was still fairly small. Yeah. Oh, Mode of the Vampire, extremely a product of its time. Or like, it's the late '90s. We're just gonna let our children run rampant in the middle of the night across town in their cosplay. <laughs> I mean, my parents let my brother and I run in all over the woods when we were in elementary school and middle school. But also, my parents are uh, farm kids who grew up it between like the early '60s and the late '80s. Yeah. <laughs> Like, yeah, uh, it's it's hard to imagine free-range children to this degree unless it's, like, a real affluent suburb. Yeah. I almost feel like this should be a wee bit of a period piece. <laughs> I mean, hey, 90s nostalgia is starting to creep in, I feel. No, it's it's been here for a while, more by the people who actually remember the 90s as opposed to us. But But so much of it is being overshadowed by the 80s nostalgia. Yeah, yeah, like, I think the only real big things that have come out of the 90s was, like, Daria and, well, Bill and Ted, and, like... Jurassic Park was 90s. Yeah, Jurassic Park, Beavis and Butthead, a lot of cartoons, a lot of TV shows. Yeah. I think the look, too, is starting to come back into vogue. Oh, yeah, there's definitely, I can see a lot of more grungy stuff happening. Mm-hmm. Us trying to desperately remember the 90s when we were barely paying attention to it back then. Yeah, we're 2000s kids. I I would say we're late 90s kids, because we're 92. Uh, yeah, that's true. But, like, my memories of the 90s don't start until, like, the mid-90s. Yeah, yeah. And even then, it's, like, 
did that actually happen? (laughs) Was this actually 90s or was this early 2000s? Or was this just an 80s holdover? Did I just come up with this thing because I remember reading about it somewhere and someone else is like, oh yeah, this happened to me? Oh, God. Yeah. The human memory. Anyway. Yeah, we could. this could be a period piece for sure. Yeah. So, let's say middle schoolers in the 2000s? Yeah. Probably somewhere in the suburbs. Degrassi children. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my god, they can have, they can all have razors. Yes. Flip phones. Yes. That's how they'd get around. Yeah. So, anyway, what I was thinking is that, like, they've matured a little bit. Um, they're not exactly running around in their cosplay all the time. Well, that's the most interesting part. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they'll be in cosplay soon enough. <laughs> Probably more, on the lines of, more along the lines of card capture soccer, or someone's got to be the costume maker of them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Is more uh, the vampire a magical girl? <laughs> so the big thing about Mona the Vampire is that it played a lot with the trope, maybe magic, maybe mundane. Yeah. And there's a lot of indications that most of the weird supernatural stuff that's happening in town is mostly Mona's imagination. And I'm like, but what if she was a little more right than people give her credit for? And there were a few episodes where it was like, oh, everything has been disproven, and it was just Mona completely misunderstanding something. And then there'd be, like, one little thing that hints that Mona was a little bit correct all along. And then there's some episodes where it's like, this could only have happened if there was a supernatural element going on. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like, it's like Mona, Mona has the uh, the monster eyes that can see the truth or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> She can see through the, what do they call it in Percy Jackson? The mist or the veil or whatever? The mist, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah, basically, there are a lot more supernatural elements going on. And I would say, by this time, Mona has started a blog about all the weird shit happening in her town. In a little town called Riverdale. (laughs) I was also thinking of uh, Velma and Daphne. Or Daphne and Velma. Oh, yeah, that works, too. Oh, actually, she did have a diary called The Book of the Slimy that she wrote in, and apparently it also has some real nasty things locked away in his pages. (laughs) (laughs) She's going to get her own Necronomicon at some point. What if, mm, what if, okay, here's, here's an idea. So what if it starts out with, like, Mona, like, she's, obviously she's still goth and she's still real into supernatural stuff, but... Her and her friends have mostly been like, yeah, we played around a lot with that, those kind of things when we were little, but it was all our imaginations. And then something happens and she realizes that her and her friends were like the only ones who knew what was going on, that they have to like dig dig it out and like dig out her diary and dig out their costumes and actually confront it again. Ooh, yeah, I like that. And I was also thinking of like what they were doing by the time they got to middle school. So I kind of see Lily as being the more athletic one. So yeah. What sort of sport should she do? Volleyball. Yes. Volleyball and basketball, the tall people sports. Yeah, she finally got her growth spurt. <laughs> She's one of those gazelles that just, like, you hit eighth grade and all of a sudden you're, like, this six foot tall, very blonde person. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, she was a redhead. I played soccer. There there was just a lot of co- crossover between, like, the volleyball girls and the soccer girls. Oh, yeah? 
Yeah. And then at some point, I think it was always in high school, a bunch of them would end up on the field hockey team. Mm-hmm. And they are to be feared. Um, and then Charlie, he's not the goth nerd. He's the computer nerd. Yeah. Yeah, that that's just like a natural thing. He's still... Yeah, he would have been the type who would have made his own computer and all that for gaming. He's in robotics. Oh, yeah. Which I'm like, oh, you get to play with Lego and you get credit for it? Cool. <laughs> hmm. I just found a Moto the Vampire Halloween costume. Oh. Grab that link in the in the thing. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I don't know if that's worse or better than what I was expecting. It sure is something. Yeah. <laughs> um anyway, uh Fang, I would say that he's old enough to be a fairly retired vampire cat. <laughs> But I would also want, like, another cat to take over the main running around and doing stuff. Fang had kittens. Yes. <laughs> and they kept one, a little black one named Sable. <laughs> and then uh, Angela's still, like, a constant antagonist. She's the traditional blonde snobby girl. Yeah. Yeah. But an interesting character who only really appeared once was a girl named Nicole. Who was the vampire hunter? Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> yeah, that was a fun episode because, like, Mona and her friends go through the whole thing trying to defeat her, and in the end, it turns out that Nicole is just as much as an imagination person as Mona and friends. Yeah. And then she becomes friends with them at the end, and she like she doesn't join the team. She's just a one shot character. But it was still a fun episode. Yeah, and I almost feel like. She should, like, join the main team in this version. She Now, now that they're in, all in middle school together, she she's um part of the same district. Yeah. And they can actually go in together. Yes. So yeah, the basic premise would still be, like, a Monster of the Week thing. But, as we said, it turns out that there's a lot more truth to what Mona had imagined than what was previously shown in the original version. And it kind of led me on, like, coming up with various ideas and various scenarios kind of led me down a bit of a wiki rabbit hole of various, like, basically, have you ever heard of legend tripping? No, I have not. So this is something I guess more older teenagers would do because you kind of do need access to a car. So creating an older sibling might be okay. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um... Basically, teenagers will go to various places that are said to have supernatural stuff going on around them, like a haunted bridge or um, a haunted house, and explore and all that. And that would kind of feed into Mona's blog, because I think that would be a natural outgrowth of the Book of Slime, is the blog of slime. (laughs) That makes a lot of sense. And maybe one of their first, like... Definitely real encounters would be on one of these legend trips. Maybe they... Yeah, they're still in middle school, so they're probably, like... They're still in the range for trick-or-treating, but maybe they decide, Hey, let's do a bit of a side quest. 
or they go like the day before. Oh, that could be a thing. It could yeah. also be because again, middle school, like it's that that tr- transitionary term between being a child and being a cool teen. Uh, so they could be planning on going trick or treating, and then Angela invites them to a Halloween party, and so they end up going to the Halloween party instead to try and be like the cool kids. And then they end up like getting dared to go into a haunted house or a haunted bridge. Because if there's already haunted stuff around town, they don't necessarily need a car. Yeah. And like a small enough town, like it's all going to be fairly close. Unless we're talking about like the one like weird old farmyard out yonder. Yeah. 30 preteens whizzing down the highway on their razors in full Halloween costumes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> If I saw that coming toward me, I'd be like, oh shit, it's the wild hunt. They're going to eat me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, say it's, um, say the town has like a crybaby bridge. Um, you ever heard of crybaby bridge? I have not heard of the crybaby bridge. I was looking at the bunny man bridge. Okay. Yeah. That's another famous one. Uh, basic premise of anybody has never heard of the Bunnyman Bridge is that there's this bridge in uh, Virginia that's said to be haunted by a axe, an axe wielding maniac in a bunny suit. <laughs> yeah. So did they copy it from Donnie Darko, or did Donnie Darko copy them? Uh, the latter. <laughs> oh, okay. So, Crybaby Bridge. Bridges are um, an urban legend that says that at a certain point on a bridge, if you stand there, you will hear the cry of a baby or some other weird ghostly thing, usually associated with young children. So, okay, that is a bit dark, but like... Yeah. uh, Here's one. The Screaming Bridge of Maud Hughes Road. So, Maud Hughes Road is located in Liberty Township, Butler County, Ohio. It's reputed to have been the site of many terrible accidents and suicides. Railroad tracks lie 25 feet below the bridge, and at least 35 people have said to have been uh, reported dead on or around Maud Hughes Road Bridge. Ghostly figures, mists, and lights have been reported, as well as black hooded figures and a phantom train. The legend says that a cart carrying a man and a woman stalled on top of the bridge. The man got out to get help while the girl stayed. When the man returned, the girl was hanging on the bridge above the tracks. The man then supposedly perished with unexplained causes. To this day, many people have reported hearing ghost conversations, then a woman's scream, followed by a man's scream. Uh, oh yeah! The one episode from frickin' BuzzFeed Unsolved Mysteries. When they took over a Goatman's Bridge <laughs> in Texas. <laughs> so yeah, there's this town called Alton, and it has a reportedly very demonically possessed bridge, and the boys went out, and um, Shane is now master of that bridge. <laughs> <laughs> My bridge now. <laughs> so yeah, let's say that there's a haunted bridge. Um... I don't know, weird lights, hooded figures. You can hear a scream every once in a while, like the Dungarvan Whooper. <laughs> you and the Dungarvan Whooper. Well, it's such a weird name. You love that Whooper. <laughs> so, basically, in, in New Brunswick, there's a provincial park called Dungarvan, and it used to be a big logging area, and apparently this one um, 
Camp Cook was murdered for money, and on certain nights you can hear him whoop because that was how he told he let all of the other loggers know that the the meal for the day was ready. Take a whooper Pokemon and stick him in a hat with an axe. <laughs> Give him a plaid shirt. Get yourself a Dungarvan whooper. Plaid flannel shirt and let him roll logs down a river. So yeah, like there's plenty of those around. There's always like the haunted hospital, the haunted house, um, some weird point in the woods where some something happened. Every town, at least in the state, seemed to have had like that one house where weird witchy stuff goes on. Yeah. But also aliens, because why not? Yeah, aliens, sometimes robots, sometimes sentient mannequins. Yep. This is I mean, this the- is stuff that happened in Mona. <laughs> Yeah, like, there was this one episode where, um, the principal got food poisoning, and Mona and co, like, shrunk down to the microbial level to fight the salmonella. That's a lot. Yeah, that was a pure imagination episode. But I did learn what salmonella was, (laughs) and why you have to cook meat very well. Or at least most meat. Steak tartare is okay, and, like, having a bloody steak, like how I like it, that's fine. It's when, like, you ground up beef, that's when you get problems. <laughs> yeah. I guess every once in a while they had to throw in the cautionary, like, don't do this episode, they had one all about drugs. Don't you put it in your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> Except this time it's a human neck. <laughs> okay, so so he- here's here's a question. Are Mona and Squad are they going to get superpowers or are they just in trep preteens? Oh, which one is better? Or like okay, Mona maybe has a little bit of superpowers in the sense that she has uh no the witch eyes or whatever that can yeah, see Yeah, like the a true... second sight sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, that's what it's called. Yeah. Yeah, so I I would say, like, maybe they have some mild supernatural powers. But Mona is not a real vampire. Mona's not a real vampire. <laughs> we we I, could say we could say that she's, like, descended from a, a long, distant line of Dompier. Yeah. That's actually fairly easy to do. Or actually, hang on, let me let me check something. Uh Shinigami Tensi, don't fail me now. <laughs> Okay, so in Croatian folklore, a kriznik or kresnik is a type of vampire hunter whose spirit wanders from the body in the form of an animal, uh, turns into an animal at night to fight off the kudlak, their evil vampire antithesis, with the kresnik appearing as a white animal and the kudlak as a black one. Uh, Krisnik's soul leaves a body out of the interior due to a higher power to fight evil agents and ensure good harvest, health, and happiness. That's one variation on the myth, but I've heard other variations on the uh, Kresnik idea. Okay. Where Kresniks are, they are essentially just uh, another variation on a Dampier, like a part vampire or whatever. Because this, is, this yeah. is back from the old, old, old country ideas of vampires. Yeah. Where it was like, sometimes, like, uh, the baby was born sideways, guess they're a demon. <laughs> yeah. Um, some versions, it. A vampire is also a werewolf and is a witch. Yeah, it's like if if you kill a werewolf, then they come back as a vampire. Or if if you die, but then a cat yeets itself over your grave, then you come back as a vampire. Or a dog. 
Any animal, really. Yeah. <laughs> Throw, catch me at the graveyard throwing live squirrels just across open graves trying to raise a vampire army. <laughs> I'm not too sure if the squirrels would like that. <laughs> Dracula, you bitch-ass motherfucker, get out here. <laughs> so, you're thinking that Mona should be some variation the Kresnek. Yeah, something that she's not a vampire, but she's some kind of empowered human that has a, an inherent connection to vampire vampires. Yeah, we can say that Fang and now Sable is her familiar. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, Charlie can be the gadget guy. Yeah, he doesn't have any actual abilities. He's just smart, and the fact that he's able to. I guess Charlie and Lily's only real powers is that they can also tap into the second sight that Mona has. Okay. And that can be, we can make it like a power of friendship thing where it's like, because they're true companions, they can share Mona's visions. Yeah. And so, but then also just because Charlie is more in tune with the supernatural world, he's able to think of things that other people wouldn't because that's not scientifically possible, but it is scientifically possible Mm -hmm. because of witchcraft (laughs) or quantum mechanics. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Look, from all I've read, quantum mechanics might as well be witchcraft. Yeah, essentially. Um, and then Lily will be the muscle. Lily's superpower is a field hockey stick. Yeah. <laughs> she does all the sports. <laughs> every sport. That can be a running gag, is that every episode she's just practicing for a different sport. Mona's yeah. like, how many teams are you on? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, gotta get them scholarships. (laughs) Middle school. You don't need scholarships in middle school yet, unless you're trying to get to a fancy private school. (laughs) Always good to start young, though. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Ugh. Man, I should have continued taking gym class. I, I, I shouldn't have. I'm good. I'm glad I didn't. I'm glad I was able to game the system in grade 11 so that all my gym classes, like, in grade 11 we basically had electives within gym class where you could, like, pick five sports that you wanted to learn over the course of the thing. And fortunately, there were exactly five options that didn't involve a lot of physical activity. So, so my sports were curling, disc golf, (laughs) square dancing, um, hiking, and... I think it was just disc golf again. <laughs> oh no, an ultimate frisbee, which is different from disc golf. Uh, I have had enough bad run-ins with frisbees that I would prefer to stay away from frisbee-related sports. Oh no. One hit me right on on my teeth, basically. Ooh, that sucks. Yeah. Like, it wasn't too hard that I, like, I didn't need any, like, dental thing. But, yeah. A lot of nerves there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Plus, it's your face. Yeah. (laughs) We have sensitive faces as human beings. Mm Mm-hmm. There's good reason for that. Anyway, my preferred sports were, like, soccer. Um, I was actually kind of decent at tag football. We had a class that was purely dedicated to rugby because my one high school was, like, the rugby champion school. Ah. Yeah. Like, the one coach ended up, um, 
becoming the main coach for the University of Victoria's uh, women's rugby team. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Yeah, field hockey I couldn't quite get because, like, you have to use the... Di- you can only use one side of the stick. Mm-hmm. And that just felt very counterintuitive. Floor hockey, on the other hand, I, I, I went for the ankles. <laughs> yeah, that, that that's fair. Yeah. Certain sports are just, hmm, how do we destroy the opponent? Yes. <laughs> and speaking of hockey, I am very happy about Seattle's new team. <laughs> that, that's that's how it starts. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's set in Seattle and Mona looks at him like, oh my god, the baseball team, or the, no, oh my god, the hockey team has summoned the Kraken. <laughs> so, yeah, it, for the most part, Mona the Vampire will still stay a pretty much episodic series, but we could tackle various stuff from, uh, like, local haunted house to maybe they get sucked into an ARG, an alternate reality game. I mean, really, we're all in an alternate reality game when you think about it. <laughs> <sighs> Do you mean a virtual reality? Uh, no, alternate reality. So it's this whole genre. No, of... I I know what you mean by alternate reality. I was just want, wanted to make sure we were on the same page because, like, literally yeah. anyone can get sucked into an alternate reality game. Or are you saying that at the end of the series, it's revealed that all the supernatural stuff was just an alternate reality game? Uh, I hadn't thought that far. Hang on, let me call up the Argonauts. Because, <laughs> like, I. I've also toyed with, like, various other, like, my own fiction ideas and maybe a possible campaign, a Monster of the Week campaign, where the ARG becomes a bit too real. <laughs> this time, the dead drops are real. <laughs> okay, yeah, that that could definitely be... See, that could work as either just a one-episode thing or a whole season-long thing. Mm-hmm. Stuff building up to... Like, various clues building up to something that's a bit bigger than what they're used to. Yeah. Um, also, another thing, this could be a one-off, um, because arcades are still, like, they're kind of a boutique thing, but they're still sort of around. Yes. Or even, like, the arcade at, like, um, at a galaxy. Mm-hmm. Um, movie theater arcade. Yeah, a movie theater arcade. So, there's this... Um, Creepypasta, I guess, or like an internet rumor that's been around for a long time about a uh, an arcade game called Polybius. Oh, yeah, I've heard of that one. Yeah. So basically it was said to cause, like, people would basically get zombified playing it. It caused all sorts of weird stuff. And then, like, Men in Black would show up to tinker around with it. Um, it was kind of a major plot point for uh, Rabbits. That's fine. Listen, <laughs> it's fine. We're not going to have Mona play rabbits. <laughs> okay, you know what? You know what? Let's let's uh, actually yeah, let's keep the ARG episode to like just one episode cuz trying yeah. to stretch it off across a whole season we're playing with fire. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need Cicada 33 whatever. Society has progressed past the need for what were they the P- Pacific Northwest Mysteries? Yeah. Let's let's take let's keep Mona in Canada. Yeah. Let's put Mona in Regina. <laughs> like I was thinking somewhere in the Ottawa Valley because that's old and haunted as balls, but 
I just like putting more things in Saskatchewan. Yeah. Yeah, there's not a lot of stuff in Saskatchewan in terms of, like, story set in Saskatchewan that isn't, like, nearly self-published books. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, like, there are some weird ghost stories and all that and alien stuff that we could also draw in from Manitoba and Alberta. Mm-hmm. Um, like, there's the St. Louis Ghost Lights, and our fair city has a couple of ghosts at, like, um, Dark Hall, the perfectly named Dark Hall. (laughs) (laughs) The ghosts named it. (laughs) Frick, one of the ghosts is the former mayor whom that hall is named for. Oh, there you go. I was right. Yeah, Yeah, Mayor (laughs) Francis Dark. Who, with a name like that, you expect him to get deposed by the Justice League. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, ghosts. It's easy to do ghosts. Of course, yeah. Murder the Vampire had way more than ghosts, as we mentioned. There was yeah. one episode, had a bunyip from Australia. Yeah. Um, guy was running a uh, spa, and he said that uh, the mud was imported from a billabong in Australia, and it came with a bunyip. Yeah. Um, they did have a Wendigo episode. Again, I'm not too sure about touching. We should. Pretty much everything I've seen has said, do not touch the First Nations folklore unless you are First Nations or, like, you're working directly with them. Yeah. And the Wendigo has been twisted so much because, like, the white people have been like, oh, it's a mysterious nature spirit of the harshness of winter. And the actual... Let me just quickly check so that I know. It's Algonquin, right? Yeah. Yeah, the actual Algonquin people are like, hey, it's the worst. It is evil. It represents evil, terrible things. And you shouldn't even be saying the name because that summons it. Yeah. So, yeah, well. It's, um, it's pretty much a, a taboo enforcement thing. Exactly. Don't, don't fuck with it. Yeah. Yeah, so we're probably, yeah, let's just not touch First Nation stuff. Stick mostly with... Ghosts, vampires, because there are going to be vampires that oppose Mona. Um, Obviously. Yeah. The... Probably, much, much like Buffy, the big bad is probably just going to be a real big vampire. Yeah. Initially. And then later, if later seasons goes on, we can branch out. But like the, the cool thing about Mona the Vampire initially was that it was kind of a little bit, almost X-Files for kids a little bit. Yeah. And then I can see this one leaning more into a Buffy, but still for preteens. And still, like, there can still be a few cases of maybe it's magic, maybe it's mundane. Like, we could even say that, like, some episodes, it's not a direct supernatural threat. But there's, like, because Mona's in touch with the supernatural, she's able to get a peg on just a more mundane threat. Like, Mm -hmm. there's, uh, I'm trying to think, what were some of the mundane threats? Like, there was, of course, real kitty stuff, like, people cheating on exams, or people stealing secret recipes from restaurants. Yeah. So maybe we can age it up to like uh, exploitation, ra- racketeering. Mona exposes <laughs> Mona and friends expose racketeering. <laughs> okay, what was the stuff that was covered on Degrassi when they were still in middle school? Um, the very first episode had abduction by a child predator. Oh fuck! That was the pilot. <sighs> okay, we're not gonna go that dark. Yeah, Mona the vampire does not go there. Uh, yeah. So, okay, we won't get too dark, but, like, I don't know, maybe a a kid gets lost in the woods or something. Um, 
oh, yeah, back to that Salmonella episode, maybe someone is doing a not-so-good thing at the school that involves tampering with something, or just being neglectful. Yeah, cutting corners. Yeah. It could also be, like, exposing a company for improper waste disposal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, remember that one time the university got a really bad GI infection? No. I must have not been there during that time. Oh, yeah, you might have been working during that time. So, yeah. Or, or, or maybe I just wasn't eating at the university. Yeah, that's true. The Well, to begin with, the university food was, um... You were taking your life into your own hands. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, the caterers, as it turns out, or the people who provided the food, weren't exactly, um... Really up and up on the whole keeping their facilities clean? Yeah. So, yeah, there was a real bad outbreak of real nasty stuff, and yeah. There was a lot of Lysol wipes all over the place after that for a while. But we could also have our, you know, very special episodes where we talk about preteen problems like you know the whole being pressured to do stuff that you really shouldn't do or don't want to do oh no the vampires have taken control of everyone in the city and proms tomorrow <laughs> i mean there's a bit of a subculture within a subculture within the uh, goth community for psychic vampires, but it's kind of been used to describe people who are just like, you know those people who just like suck the fucking life out of you? Yes, I work with them. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe we could talk about that. Maybe there's an actual psychic vampire where you just feel super drained after having to deal with them. Maybe Angela's a psychic vampire. I was thinking Angela could be some kind of snake person. Alamia? M maybe some kind of anaconda. <laughs> she she peels off her normal animated face and is just like the caper cutouts underneath <laughs> is it bad that i actually kind of liked angela anaconda back in the day yeah i appreciated angela anaconda for what it was i think people who don't like angela anaconda have only been exposed to it because of the digimon movie ah <laughs> Remember, Angela Anaconda is canonically a digidestined. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess we should, like, we kind of ha do have a bit of a don't go there limit, but, like, what should be your limit? Like, I was almost... Digitamers is probably as far as a middle school series could get away with. Well, here's... I'm thinking, because, well, first off, do we want this to be animated or do we want this to be live action all of a sudden? Uh... Animated. Okay, so we're sticking with animated. Just looking at stuff for kids, like stuff that is targeted at the same demographic, I think Gravity Falls works. And see, Gravity Falls never had a very special episode. Or, okay. well, they kind of did, but it was more like. Now that I'm thinking about it, a lot of the very special episodes were more about gender stuff and how okay. that factors into growing up, simply because that's kind of what you got with the brother or sister sibling dynamic between Dipper yeah. and Mabel. And so there were several episodes that'd be like. Don't judge people for having the girly interests, and don't make fun of people for having crushes, and don't be a creepy dude, like, constantly flirting, hitting on people when they've shown they're not interested. Yeah. Don't summon a character out of a video game to murder their boyfriend. Yeah. So this could be very Gravity Falls, 
Hell, I bet we could even get Alex Hirsch to do a cameo voice in it yeah. as something. Yeah. Or maybe it's maybe it's secretly a sequel to Gravity. Oh no, it wouldn't be a sequel because it's set in the nineties. A yeah. prequel to Gravity Falls. They're within the same universe. One episode, just Bill Cipher shows up. <laughs> Hi there! I'll turn your cat into a real vampire. <laughs> Guess what, Mona? I'm gonna summon the. In- Guess what, Mona? I'm gonna insi- Hang on, I have to think of how I would say. Guess what, Moma? You vaccin- Moma? (laughs) (laughs) Guess what, Mona? I'm gonna summon the entire population of the Eldritch Multiverse into your hometown, and also curse you to have a crush on every boy! (laughs) So maybe they do, like, accidentally release something that one time? (laughs) There's a monster in the lake, because that seems to be a just cross-North America thing. I mean, if they do that, they could p- take a page out of Doug and the monster is like their friend now. Yeah. We gotta do a Sasquatch episode. I hope it's not a Sam Squanch. <laughs> See, Trailer Park Boys is a show that I thought was just a collective hallucination until I actually saw it in a store once for the DVDs. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, that's pretty much it for my ideas. It's a pretty simple thing and could probably go for about what, three to five seasons? Yeah, I mean, if it's... Live-action shows, you almost feel like you have to have an arc going through every single one, but I feel like with animated, even though it's not necessarily because of the medium, but just because a children's animated show, you have a lot more leeway to go with filler. And honestly, I think our generation needs to learn, relearn how to appreciate filler. Yes. Because if you have a show that is, like, all plot all the time, it can get exhausting. It's nice if, like, 50% of the show was just antics. Like, filler can be really great for character development. Exactly. That, that's why we need filler. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Think. You know, you know what we haven't had in a long time is a bicon of the week. Yes. Now, the obvious answer is Lily, because sports. Yeah. I would, nomin- I would like to nominate Charlie to be the bicon on account of I really liked him as a child, and I've decided that every character that I, pro- um, what's the word? Every character that I projected onto as a child is now queer. Yes. <laughs> That's how it works. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Alright, and I think I think that's that's an end point. I think we've run out of ideas. Yeah. Alright. So in that case, this is the part of the show where we remind you all to wear a mask and stay safe and um, defund the police and Black Lives Matter. Uh, if you're going to a protest. If you're going to a protest, make sure you keep yourself safe. And if you're not able to do that kind of stuff out in public, then be sure to find black creators to support or just black people and queer people who need our help. And yeah. Also, at this point, I'm going to keep saying it, but I'd, <laughs> at this point, if, if you don't know what we're about and what we're encouraging you all to do, then I, I, I don't know how to help y'all. Yeah. So with that in mind, we will now be going to a friendship promo. Hi, I'm Janine. And I'm Locke. And we have a question for you. What is your favorite Pokemon? Over on our new podcast, My Favorite Pokemon, we sit down with you just to ask... Well, who your favorite Pokemon is. 
and we also talk about some other things such as well why you like your pokemon along with what kind of nicknames that you would like to give them and also what would you do with your pokemon if they were actually here with us in real life you can subscribe to us on twitter at my favorite pokemon and that is pokemon spelled p-k-m-n so subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts So, Lindsay, where can you be found on the internet? I can be found on Twitter at lindsaym476. That's Lindsay spelled with an A, and you can get to all my other social media bullshits from there. Tanner, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at SparkyUpstart and on Instagram at SparkyYoungUpstart. You can also find this very podcast on Twitter at N-I-R-Y... No, hang on. I think I misspelled that. <laughs> N-I-I-R-Y-F-Pod. Those are the letters for Not If I Boot You First, and they're pronounced... Motor the Vampire! Oh, you can still me. <laughs> you can also email us at notifiereabootyoufirst. Oh my gosh, let me just... You can also email us at notifiereabootyoufirst at gmail.com. You can send us your comments, critiques, criticisms, or the monster you think is terrorizing your town, unless it just so happens to be an adult that you don't trust fully. You could even ask to be a guest, but if you do, make sure you send us a hint instead of the entire idea, because we like being surprised. And if you'd like to be part of our friendship promos, whether that be for a podcast or a YouTube channel or even your DeviantArt page, then you can either send us an audio clip or just a proof for us to read, and we'd be happy to put you in there. And you can also rate and review us on your podcatcher of choice, and if you can't find us on your podcast... Your podcatcher... If you can't find us on your podcatcher of choice, then contact me and I'll try and get us in there. Lindsay, please do your part so I can remember how to speak. <laughs> Not if I reboot you first as a member of the Corner Podcast Network, and you can find out more about the other awesome shows we share the network with at CornerPodNet on Twitter. Beautiful. Last but not least, our cover art, as always, is by Alex, a.k.a. Pachu, and her work can be found on ptchew.com. And our theme music is done by our friend Sean Clake, and you can contact us to find out how to contact him if you'd like music of his own for your own. <sighs> I'm falling apart at the seams, I don't know why. <laughs> Ah, the dog days are almost upon us, so... That's true. Yeah. So, Tanner, do you have a hint for next week? I'd love to tell you my hint for next week, but unfortunately, you are going to have to defeat my seven evil ex-boyfriends. <laughs> nice! So, we will be fighting that next week, but not if we reboot you first. Bye. Bye.